Hello, and welcome to the brand spanking new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. Of course, it's only brand spanking new if you're listening to it when it's like the top one on the list, but whenever you're listening to it, thanks for listening. That's right. This episode <laughs> is so fresh, you oh. could smack it. <laughs> I always smack fresh things. I pick an apple off the tree like, you're fresh, Whoosh, slap it. <laughs> but today on this episode, we're talking about a fresh movie that came out in the usual stale month of January. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, we're going to be doing our talk and, and review of 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, directed by none other than yours and mine's favorite director, Michael Bay. The wonderful director of such classics as Pearl Harbor. I would like to let it stand that Steven does not speak for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not speaking for myself either. <laughs> Although I do enjoy The Rock. But even that's kind of hard to watch now. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll be discussing 13 Hours. We'll get to that here in a few minutes. But first, there's been a few things in the news over the past week that... Some of it is involved uh, just awards things. Some of it is involved kind of bummer things. Um, there's been a few. There was a few pretty prominent deaths in the celebrity world, and they were all of cancer. We had uh, David Bowie passed away from cancer. The Goblin King is dead. <laughs> the Goblin King is dead. Long live the and King. Alan Rickman passed away. They were both 69 years old. Both cancer. And then Dan Haggerty, if you know the film Grizzly Adams, he also passed away too from cancer. And so they always say that celebrity deaths come in threes. So There was actually four, though. Well, maybe Dan Haggerty doesn't count. Or David Bowie. I don't know. <laughs> no, I was thinking of James Avery, the guy who is Uncle Phil on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He no, unfor- he's been dead. No, he, he just died. No, like- the aunt did. Yeah, because James Avery's been dead a few years. We might have to look into that, folks. <laughs> Pretty we'll sure. We'll get back to you. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's this kind of those bummer things. And uh, and look for the episode after this one will be, we're going to do, since both of us have a fondness in our hearts toward Alan Rickman, we wanted to do an episode kind of talking about some of his, his better roles and, and why... You know, he's just memorable just memorable in those roles and, and things like that. But uh, what are some other things in the news you saw, Dakota? Well, not too long ago. I believe it's only been a week ago we had the Golden Globes. Ooh, a Which... Hollywood event that some people think matters and some people don't. <laughs> um, Honestly, the way things went down, it's... Uh kind of hard to say if it does anymore well you know the golden globes is already something that a lot of people have a hard time taking just because they and 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 my my one contention would be they are the foreign press you right this is the hollywood foreign press and sometimes they don't just get it well And also sometimes I think just we forget that people outside of our bubble of the United States see things differently, like different things. It's kind of like how some people in America don't like British humor. Some, you know, there's a lot of people in America who don't like French films. And so sometimes I wonder that plays into it a little bit. But at the same time, 
you do wonder if they're just trying to get attention with some of their picks yeah. just because they're so outrageous. I mean, and the fact that even this year, The Martian was in the comedy category, and not only that, it won, and Ridley Scott goes up there and goes, <laughs> comedy? Really? <laughs> I, I found it a very side-splitting film. Well, I mean, and here's the deal. I busted a gut during, during the viewing it, of that one. If you've seen it, you know, and if you've seen previews, you know, that the way Mark Watney, the Mark Watney character, handles the situation is in a very lighthearted way for someone in his rival situation. But to call it a comedy is a little stretch of the word. Okay, a lot stretch. Well, calling what Lady Gaga did in American Horror Story was acting is kind of along that and same way. And not only calling it acting, but the best in her category. Yeah, she, she won for uh, Best Actress in a uh, TV series, mm-hmm. which is odd because I don't even think that series is wrapped. I think it's still going. Yeah, well, it, it has to be over because doesn't that don't blech, in order? To, well, you oh, <laughs> wow, that was weird. I just had a stroke. I think, I think you're right. I'm thinking of the Emmys, where in order to qualify for the Emmys, your show has to have wrapped its season. Yeah, but yeah, with Golden Globes, maybe it doesn't because I don't know. That might still be going. Yeah, uh, to be honest with the whole Golden Globes thing, I was the way the way people were winning and what they were winning for. I was, I was surprised that Mad Max didn't win film of the year. Yeah. Well, and I mean, uh, Steve jobs ended up being kind of a stinker of a movie that not many people cared for. And they gave it the screenplay award. And that was part of what people had problems with that movie, that it just wasn't very good, (laughs) like in terms of story. And so it's like, what? And so that's like, there's when I question like, okay, are they seeing these films differently than we are? Or are they just like, well, we'll just give that award to Aaron Sorkin or something. And They they do seem to love him, though. He does. I mean, Kate Winslet winning for Steve Jobs. I don't know. I didn't see the movie, but she can be a good actress. Yeah. And so, I don't know, maybe that was deserved. Maybe she was the highlight of the movie. I don't know. But, yeah, it was just strange that uh, Steve Jobs is getting as much love as it was when it was... <laughs> Considered a stinker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sandra Bullock's movie kind of got overlooked. Uh, uh, that one that kind of came and went, our brand is crisis. Um, I was I was honestly surprised Joy didn't. <laughs> well, you're thinking, no, that's where the Academy. Yeah. The Academy loves Jennifer Lawrence. I don't know what it is because, honestly, even though people aren't touting her and Joy as much, would any of us really be shocked if she won like a third Oscar for Joy in the cat? In that, I mean, who knows? It's weird. All that award stuff is weird because when you think about it, the 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 Academy Awards slash Oscars, whatever you want to call them, it's basically them giving themselves awards. I mean, it's like the actors in those categories, the directors of the categories are voting. <laughs> in some cases, they could be voting for themselves, <laughs> and. It's just kind of weird, and it's all politics where they're they're trying to woo each other to vote. I mean, it's just kind of a weird deal. Yeah, I mean there have there have been some pretty big Oscar winners that years down the road people kind of just scratch their heads at. Um, Crash Shakespeare in Love uh, won out against Saving Private Ryan. A lot of people were upset about that right from the get go. Yeah, and then they gave Spielberg the best director is kind of like. A, 
you know, well, you know, here you got this, <laughs> you know, like John Madden didn't beat you there. Not not the John Madden from football, <laughs> but the the director John Madden who did Shakespeare in Love. But it's weird. There's two John Maddens. That's right. Um. Yeah, and so I mean, now yeah, there's been weird stuff like that over the well, and then even back in the day, Kramer was it Kramer versus Kramer beat like Raging Bull. And, yeah, <laughs> Martin Scorsese. I mean, this goes back decades that it's been kind of goofy. A lot of people have always been upset that Martin Scorsese seems to have gotten no love from the Academy whatsoever. Well, and then more recently, Leo. Yeah. Um, I mean, he got now finally this year. There's a lot of talk that. He could finally win for the Revenant, so yeah, it's crazy. and it might be even more like here's your award for all the other times we didn't give you an award, kind of like what they did with Scorsese with The Departed. Like <laughs> this is actually for Raging Bull and Goodfellas. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Some some people just seem to be total darlings when it comes to the Academy, and then there are others who just get the shaft. And that's when you realize it's politics. Yeah, uh, Quentin Tarantino, it seems, is always, no matter how good or bad the movie is, he's always getting nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Which and is... yet, hit one of his boys, Samuel Jackson, hardly gets any love. <laughs> I guess he did for Pulp Fiction. Um, but a lot of people thought, now we, with Hateful Eight, that he was one of the better, you know, characters in the Hateful Eight. So, I don't know. Just, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> But speaking of politics, maybe that's a good segue into our review today. Um, 13 Hours, where it deals with a little bit of politics and uh, how a situation was handled. And so I think we'll go into our review portion of the show on 13 Hours. ambassador at risk. You gotta send us. You're not the first responders. You will wait. Let's go! We gotta move! We have no jurisdiction in this country. We're not even supposed to be here. Losing the initiative. Stand down! If you do not get here soon, we're all gonna die. None of you have to go. But we are the only help they have. So this movie actually is a pretty recent story, really. I mean, this this uh, event occurred only three years ago. Oh, well, a little over three years ago, I guess. It was September 11th of 2012 was when this event took place. And so it's a pretty recent historical event. And, in fact, there's a lot of rumblings and mumblings about why it was even made and why they decided to have it come out, you know, this year because they had a movie come out, um, the year there's a presidential election about a situation that maybe wasn't handled the best by the state department slash president. And, uh, so yeah, you know, there's a little bit of that, but, uh, at the same time, you know, part of it could be, it's kind of like the Black Hawk Down incident where when Mark Bowden wrote that book and then the movie was made, it kind of brought more awareness to something that I think was forgotten, you know? 
And I think part of the reason that this movie got made as soon as it did, also besides whatever politics you want to talk about, is that we all saw that event happen on the news. Like, I remember seeing the embassy on fire on the news. I don't know, Dakota, you remember that? I do, actually. And nobody really understood what exactly was going on, except that it looked like it was a total mess. And you could not quite. And so I think this movie, they were hoping, because they got three of the guys who were involved in the incident who lived, they got them to be pretty heavily involved in, in, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Consulting on this movie to make sure they kind of went through the events the way those guys remember it and were involved in it. And so I think they wanted to make sure they got, a, got it across as accurately as possible for the people to like maybe better understand a situation that we were getting kind of a, a certain spin on or not getting quite the whole picture with some of it. And so, and it involved the CIA. And so that stuff is always going to be kind of secretive. And as a, a fake George W. Bush would say, mucho hush hush. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and so it was just, I think there was a little bit of that to kind of clarification, but just kind of overall th- this movie, how would you describe what this, what this movie is about Dakota? I guess it would be, well, Libya it was a mess. Yeah, I think, well, to this day, it's even worse. Um, But at the time, it it was kind of, there was that hope that it was slowly transitioning to a democracy. Right. And the overall people in Libya are actually uh, pretty friendly towards the U.S., one of the few countries in the Middle East that are. They're friendly, but at the same time, if you looked at them, you might not see them as friendly because... It's they brought some of the movie how it's almost so otherworldly there where people are just walking around with guns yeah. <laughs> where and that sort of saying where it's almost hard to know who your enemy is and who's your ally because everybody's just walking around with guns and you can't really communicate with anybody unless you happen to know the language. And so all that was just kind of confusing and surreal to them in a lot of ways. But, yeah, there was this ambassador that was going to come in and try to help this transition further into democracy um, but there was still this strong, I guess you call them a jihadist group Yeah, that we now know of as ISIS <laughs> that, uh, was still holding a lot of prominence in this, in this country. And the CIA was thought they were there more secretly than they were, <laughs> you know, they thought they had this, Oh, we're, we have this place where it's like, but as the, one of the main uh, soldiers pointed out like there's constantly white American looking people going in and out of this place. He goes like, how are we, how are we here that secretively, you know? And so, um, yeah, it's just really the events leading up to during and after this attack on their temporary embassy that had hardly any (laughs) proper, Defenses, defenses, surveillance, people even there guarding this ambassador, and then the attack on the few miles down the road, CIA secret, in quote secret CIA uh, facility, and so yeah, it kind of involves all those events. Now, what was your kind of overall feel for this movie, Dakota, and your kind of thoughts on it? Oh, where to begin? My overall thoughts on this film. Oh, 
it was it was pretty interesting how kind of from the get go we were kind of seeing things uh, from the point of view from John Krasinski's Krasinski's character in this movie uh, because he is just arriving in Libya to take work um, as an independent contractor working at this super secret uh, CIA facility. So he really has no idea what he's getting himself into, and that's uh, that's kind of where the where I found myself. It's, I mean, uh, Muslim culture is completely foreign to me. I don't I don't know anything about them. Probably about they probably don't know anything much about American culture either. But uh, right, what was interesting about it too was it seemed like <laughs> it seemed like he was kind of the fresh faced guy coming in that was like out of his element but then you soon realize that he could take care of himself and you're understanding that he was a navy seal and has been in tense situations but that maybe this was kind of you know the the most unfriendly he's been in in a a situation like this anyway and so yeah it was kind of interesting i mean and another thing that was interesting, we have the actual CIA operatives that are kind of looking down their noses at these these uh, former uh, special ops ex-military guys thinking, oh, we're actually the ones in charge here, whereas they, they kind of know that they have no sort of authority in that place, and they're pretty much SOL if something goes wrong, which it very well might, and it eventually does. Right. I mean, they uh I, I I thought it funny that even in this movie, uh Michael Bay somehow got a chase sequence in there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I would like to point that out that there's a lot of bayisms that we all know like like over the top explosions and and a lot of what they call it B-roll footage <laughs> in slow-mo where it's like as they're showing the planes coming over Pearl Harbor, there's a slow-mo of kids flying kites and like, you know, he does like in this one, I thought he he kept his bayisms to pretty minimal, and it seemed like he was trying to keep pretty tight to the story. Now, that is not saying this movie is perfect, but I did appreciate that he didn't seem so high on himself in making this movie. It seemed like he was really trying <laughs> to get the story across. Is how I felt. Yeah, I think he's I think he's kind of changed up his style a little bit because. With each Transformers movie that has come out, he is just taking a beating publicly. Yeah, for just his over direction, if you want to call it, in those movies, pretty much is what is what what yeah, probably the best term for it. And I'm hoping that this movie, in terms of his directing, could be a good change and hopefully a change that he'll kind of stick to and just saying, okay, I'm the director, but my stupid idiosyncrasies don't need to be on every single frame of this movie. You know, I need to tell this story also. So, yeah. But yeah, he did, he did manage to still fit a chase scene into this movie, which (laughs) was interesting. Oh, speaking of things that uh, I'm not used to seeing, we, we see a pretty cut up John Krasinski in this film. Yeah. For those of you who aren't familiar with that name, he was Jim Halpert on the office, otherwise known as the tall lanky guy who liked Pam, if you still don't know who that is. And yeah, it was, uh, 
it was it was interesting to see him differently. It kind of gave me a, a flavor of maybe what Captain America could have been, because he was actually on the short list and number one for a little while for being Captain America when they eventually gave it to Chris Evans. And you kind of think to yourself, well, okay, he could have beefed up, yeah. but at the same time, he probably still wasn't the right demeanor for the role. But you got to wonder if he's just trying to keep up with his wife, Emily Blunt, because <laughs> she keeps making these tough chick movies, and he's like, dang, I better get shredded with her. But yeah. I thought it was I thought it was interesting. Me and Steven talked about talked about it right before we walked into this movie. How Michael Bay is such a huge fan of Black Hawk Down. Um he even he even tried to use the story of of Black Hawk Down for one of the Transformers movies. Completely botched it, but you know, he tried. <laughs> and it actually gets referenced in this movie. Yeah. Oh, end. that was funny. Black Hawk Down was yeah, a reference. And I could I could feel Black Hawk Down in this movie. Oh yeah, like you, and that's where, and and maybe that's why this movie worked. If he was saying, "Okay, I want to have the focus Ridley Scott," because Black Hawk Down is another very hyper focused on the on the events taking place movie, and I felt like this movie did too. Like you're kind of running through this movie now. Black Hawk Down is still a far superior movie. In my opinion, just because I, for a lot of reasons, which I'll get into here in a second, but um, you could tell he was definitely, that was had to have been an inspiration for how he wanted to film this movie. And and I think that definitely worked his advantage to where this became closer to Black Hawk Down than to Armageddon or something, where it just kind of came across as like cheesy or Or Pearl Harbor the with the unnecessary extra padding of the script yeah a lot of yeah just a lot of fluff and garbage that didn't need to be there and so but i guess my one thing with it would be that where this movie suffered was i wasn't totally invested in all of the guys in the movie just because i had trouble remembering who was who for a while because there was a lot of them, and I feel like we didn't quite get invested into all of them enough when they were introduced to where we were in everything. They all felt like they were just bearded mercenaries <laughs> or something, and it was and uh, and you do get to know them, but things just kind of start happening, and I feel like and I think part of that plays into uh, I thought this movie was kind of edited a little choppy, like it. The way it was edited, it felt like it was like, boom, 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 boom. Like, it went through a lot of things. And then it was funny, because at the end, I almost laughed, because I was thinking that through the movie. There was three editors. This movie had three editors, and I'm like, yeah. maybe that's why it was I mean, There's three different people trying to chop this thing together. Maybe neither um, one of them was in contact with the other one. One yeah. of them would do their job, leave. The other one would come in, pick up right where they left yeah, off. Yeah, maybe that's what it was, because there was just especially good sections of the movie where I felt like it was a little jumpy. Um and that kind of hurt it a little bit too. And that's why those are, you know, like that would be another, those couple reasons would be why I wouldn't necessarily say this is the, the new Black Hawk Down or something because I feel like in Black Hawk Down you had a chance to get invested in the characters, the way they kind of introduced them, told you a lot about them, and then um, it was just tight in its editing of everything too in Black Hawk Down too, where it wasn't where that could have been really choppy too, because you're following the helicopter pilots and you're following the guys on the street, and then you're following the guys in the Humvees, and then other guys on the street, and so that could have been a mess too, and it wasn't, and so 
unfortunately, this one kind of suffered there, I thought, a little bit. But... Yeah, there were... I'm going to kind of agree with bring up something there. Um, without trying to spoil it, there's a scene towards the end where there's a rocket attack on, on this base. And I actually wasn't really sure which character had died slash got injured because they kind of all look alike. Yeah, well, and part of it was... This is yeah, and this was an editing fail. Was that you were? It was focused on a different character, and then he decided to cut to the mortar flying through the air, <laughs> type thing. And then when the mortar comes, he's kind of off in the distance, and you're like, "Wait, is it that guy or is it that guy?" And the only reason I knew which one it probably was is because I knew who some of the survivors were because I saw him interviewed <laughs> on TV, and so I'm like, "Okay, well, it isn't this guy because." I know he lives because I saw him. I'm not going to say their names, just even though we, if you've read up on the story or seen them on the news talking about it, you know who lives. But for those of you who haven't, I'm not going to say who their names are. But yeah, that would be a case where he was trying to do so much with that scene, I think, honestly, to make it maybe more emotional. And then it ended up damaging the emotion because you got confused. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. But uh, just kind of overall impressions, uh, I would still put this movie in the category as an important story for people to remember. Um, you know, it, not so much because, I mean, you know, that ambassador, you know, whatever. But I mean, just that it's a it's really good at telling about the toll these things can take on on the men involved and then it causes you see them kind of questioning but then it also gets you to question like uh the things that men do for a country and you kind of think to yourself like why did they put themselves through this or like why you know why are they so willing to do that why why can a guy have a gun pointed at him and say i'm willing to die for my country are you you know like it just kind of causes you to, when you kind of see that actually play out in a scenario, it really causes it to uh, kind of impact you in a way where it gets you thinking like, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy to think that there's guys willing to do that. And some of the argument is like, well, they're doing it for the guy next to them, but it's like, well, the only reason there's a guy next to them is because they both agreed to be in this situation. <laughs> yeah. It's like, they still put themselves into these situations more or less voluntarily, I mean, yeah, the government may decide where they go, but they also signed up. And so it's just kind of interesting in that aspect of thought. Yeah, it's it's touched on briefly in the film, but they, they do bring up the fact that I I I believed in something bigger than myself and that's and that's that's what became my my life. And that's that's pretty pretty true i mean i know people in the military right now and i don't one of them's actually due to get out here soon and he's like i don't think i'm gonna i don't think i'm gonna like it being out of here it's just one of those things where um some people who've been there a while kind of do do like it i mean it's they they'll have their criticisms about it but still that's that's become their life, almost like getting married and trying to get a divorce. I think it's 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 not going to be easy unless it's like really bad for you. 
Yeah, and then this this uh, touched on families back home. And, you know, the toll it takes on how you have to leave your uh, wives, but not even just wives. You have to leave your children too, and just like um, you kind of see John Krasinski's wife and kids, and how uh, just kind of that separation and how that plays out. And it, so, it just kind of, I guess, just another movie that caused you to ponder what a lot of men and women do for our country, you know, in that, and that aspect of living that there's large chunks of time where they're, where they're separated and not just separated, but then in a situation that could be fatal. And, uh, yeah, just, it's just kind of, I don't know. It's just, it always, it's something that always, uh, kind of, comes across my mind when I watch movies like this is like, why, you know, like why do they seem so willing to go into these situations? Cause then while they're there, they're just like mad, <laughs> you know, they're mad at the government for not handling it correctly or mad at their superior officers for not, you know, and it's just like, you know, it's just, but like, like you kind of um, talked about a little bit ago, Dakota, some of it is, you know, I guess they they sign up and in because they see something bigger than themselves, and then it becomes a way of life, kind of after that, where it's what they know. They know it's, you know, as long as they're believing in what their government is trying to accomplish for these countries, you know, they just see it as something worthy of not just their time, but the investment of their lives, <laughs> really, into something like that, and so. Yeah, there's just kind of that aspect of it too, which, which is which is good, um, and that's just, you know, besides just the the personal men in this movie. But yeah, the one thing that's interesting about this movie is you do see the State Department really botch <laughs> botch this up. Yeah, they um, uh, in the movie, and uh, I think, as I recall, in, in actual life. The military did have a drone circling um, both this, the compound uh, where the CIA was. was yeah, where was, they knew exactly yeah. what was happening. They and, saw it. And like they said, the feed's live. It's it's going out to, to people out there. And they kind of just failed to act. I mean, you could, you could put a spin on it however you want, but at the end of the day, um, there was really no kind of support from the actual military when no, this was going down, there was no American support for them. They were kind of just left on their own, and uh, yeah, and like you said, whatever whatever spin you want to want to put on that, uh, the bottom line is is that the government was just slow on the draw, and well, they basically didn't draw. It's not even that no. they were slow, and that these guys were almost left high and dry for whatever reason it would be hard it's hard to imagine that the government just kind of was like oh you know it can't be as bad as they're making out to be because you know like we stated i mean they were getting reports they were seeing some footage i mean after a while it was starting to get to be on the news where there was burning buildings you know i mean it wasn't like uh and first and foremost you'd think that i i'm saying this cavalierly it's not really what I hope is true, but even if they didn't care about the soldiers as much, you know, you, you know, the ambassador was there. 
And so I don't know. It was just kind of kind of strange. Yeah, it is surprising though because um, I do remember hearing stories um, back in the Vietnam War about oh this CIA agent was lost somewhere their chopper went down here and they would send out entire battalions to go hunt these people down and that was that was during the vietnam war when yeah they had units everywhere so you could argue that that but it's just i mean they bring it up in the movie they had um i think it was there was a base two hours away that could have sent planes Uh, two hours like flight time yeah like because that was the thing they're like can we just have a flyover? Like, you don't even have to do anything. Just fly over and scare them. Just saying, hey, look, we have jets. And, like, that wasn't even, you know what I mean? It was just, like, the frustration of that is just boggling. Because, you know, even even if we want to, like, bring a Black Hawk down again or something, you know, even in that, it's like uh, the Hummer crew that in the movie Tom Sizemore is the commander over. You know, they were, like, we're going back out there. We got to, you know, we got to get out to these guys, you know, was trying to get in there. And maybe that was different because it was like Rangers going and getting Rangers and things like that. Whereas this was like, I don't know, this, these CIA operatives were just kind of screwed. And I mean, it was like, we're not just talking there, there were soldiers or an ambassador, but then there was this whole crew of like CIA civilian people, you know, and there were more, what, 26 yeah. Uh, people that were more or less civilians that worked for the CIA. And so, yeah, it was just kind of a really strange debacle. Um, but, you know, that's why I think, like I said, it is important that that even though it was handled poorly, that you saw, for the most part, the military who were there worked. You know, like, even though this failed, they still functioned the way they were meant to function. You know, where when the government wasn't going to do anything, they're like, fine, we'll just handle it ourselves, (laughs) you know? And so you saw maybe the government at its worst, but some soldiers at their best. You know, even if what they did wasn't necessarily um, all strictly by the book, (laughs) that... uh, they're, they were in the situation, they were going, we we have the ability to stop people from dying. We're not just going to sit here, you know? And so, uh, yeah, just kind of interesting in that. And that's where I go back to, uh, usually when you come out of a Michael Bay movie, these aren't the things going through your head. <laughs> usually you come out of his movies wanting to throw up because there was so much, like, explosions and and CGI robots flipping and <laughs> asteroids flailing and you know there's just but this movie actually like i said it wasn't perfect but it still hit certain key notes where it caused you to to just kind of ponder these things and see an event play out and and uh yeah just interesting you know i'm I'm surprised this movie hasn't taken heavy criticisms for being propaganda. Well, it kind of is. I mean, it just came out. Yeah. And it kind of, and I think that's why it's not going to be a box office success because I think there are certain people that (laughs) are trying to shrug this movie off as like propaganda. 
But at the same time, um, it's kind of one of those things where who are you going to believe, the soldier who is on the ground there or politicians? And I have a tendency to lean toward the soldier who is there. Yeah, and the the thing that's kind of messed up about it, there are people who said, oh, well, it was just a few few people who were surrounded by these – by these terrorists, they they were they were fine. It's it's kind of one of those things where they they try to downplay the incident when it's well they were still Americans. Yeah, it was still thirty Americans that had uh, wave after wave of of enemies coming after them, and yeah, these enemies maybe were only coming in waves of twenty to forty, but. They were still taking mortar fire. There were guys getting... There was deaths. There was injuries. Um, and this is regardless of any psychological toll it could take on some of these guys. And so, I mean, I think it's it's just kind of one of those places where... How cold do you want to be, I guess? there. I mean, there were still lives on the line here. and 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 they were there to do a job. And they were almost being hindered to do the job they were sent to do. <laughs> and they were like, well, we're going to do our job. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and so I guess to maybe kind of wrap up this discussion here. Uh, me personally, I would give this film a, if you are, if you like these type of films, like the, uh, in the vein of, uh, Black Hawk Down or Lone Survivor stuff like in that vein of of type of war film. I'm not saying that it's that exact movie, but in that vein, um, American Sniper, just just in terms of the brutality that's there and 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 how the film is handled. If you're into that, you're you're probably going to be interested in this one. Um, but I and so I guess overall though, for me, I would give it a B minus, <laughs> maybe like a B minus. Like if you like those type of films, I would see it. But uh, yeah, I mean it's not best picture <laughs> contender, but I mean it's definitely uh, like I said a pon- a movie that causes you causes you to ponder, and is an interesting. Um, well, like I said, it's an event that we just kind of saw like a really strange gloss over version of on the news. And so it's kind of interesting just to see a little bit more of it kind of play out um, from what how it was experienced by the soldiers who were there. So, yeah. But Dakota, what do you, what do you think? Okay. Here's what I got. This movie actually kind of reminded me a lot of Zero Dark Thirty, just kind of how it... Um, there was there was no actual cameras there, uh, you know. Both incidents when Osama bin Laden was killed when this went down, uh, you kind of just have to rely on the stories of the people that were there, and that's kind of that's kind of what I took away from this. And it was it it was actually surprising because it, this film was actually the first time in a while we've actually seen a, a Michael Bay movie where we saw real emotion. Where you even cared a little bit that you of, did that you did care, yeah, yeah. Where you cared a little bit about the characters. I, I think the last time he even came close to that was uh, towards the end of the first Transformers, a little bit. 
little just, bit, little bit, just a little bit though. Not a lot. Um, but yeah, I was I was kind of impressed with him on this one. I mean, he uh, uh, he did the Pain and Gain movie a few years ago, which I was actually actually found pretty interesting. I don't think Steven has seen it yet. Uh, I didn't really uh catch my fancy to see, <laughs> I guess. But yes, that that was another kind of out of left or out of right field movie that he did about bodybuilders. Yeah. That what Rob Banks or something. Oh, <laughs> uh, they, they kidnap people and force them to sign over all their stuff. There you go. Yeah. But, uh, I just, it, it just got me thinking maybe he's actually trying to become a better director. I, I, that's the thing. I think he is trying. I, I, yeah. It's, a, it's just the ego. He's just got to get that ego put aside. And that was the thing. Like with this one, I felt optimistic that, that maybe he's taming the ego you know, because one of the directors that deserves to have a huge ego and have it all over his movies is Steven Spielberg. But he does a pretty good job at not letting his ego overtake his movies, which we just saw in Bridge of Spies. Yeah. And uh, and hopefully Michael Bay can continue to go down that road where he can make interesting movies and still put his spin on it or whatever. But just push the ego <laughs> over a little bit. But yeah, I would. I'm gonna say I'm. Eh, I'm not sure how we're grading this, but I w- I would definitely say uh, see this if you get a chance. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go even go a step further and say see it in theaters, just because it's one of those. It's a movie that kind of deserves to be seen on the big screen. It did. It did help me put. Yeah, I sh- seeing it in theaters. It helped me fall into the situation more because you get that better kind of surrounding sense to it to where, yeah, it just kind of feels like you're in the moment a little more. Um, So, yeah, I guess with that, yeah, that does help. (laughs) So, Um, but yeah, you have any, anything else on the movie? You Um, you give it a see it in theaters. Yeah. And uh, just, for giggles on an A to F scale, where would you put it? An eight, an A to F. Yeah, like an A B C D F. I would give it a B. B. Yeah, solid, okay. solid B. I don't... So we got a solid B from Dakota, a B minus from me, and uh, a seat in theaters. Um, if that's your thing. So yeah, um, very surprising work from Michael Bay. Um. Like I said, not a perfect movie, but definitely a step in the right direction for um, for him. So, and also um, some interesting performances from yeah some people that you don't really know if you've ever seen before. <laughs> and um, then in the lead, you have James James Badge Dale, <laughs> yeah. which he just doesn't get a whole lot of big roles, but he's usually good, and he was in this too. And then John Krasinski, being a man. <laughs> it was just it was kind of interesting to seeing him do that, and I, uh, so yeah, that was. I know one performance that uh, kind of caught me was uh, the one from Cody. I'm sorry, Pablo Pablo Shriver. Uh, anyone who's seen um, Orange Is the New Black will will recognize who him. Who did he as, play? Uh, he was the guard who was a jerk. They called him Porno Stash. Okay, okay, that's who that was. Yeah, he actually is a kind of the comedic relief here, but at the same time too still you actually do do get some decent acting from him and that was a surprise right there uh brother of leave leave schreiber oh pablo played nope 
that's what I thought. I thought we were talking about the same guy, but I'm like, well, the guy I'm thinking of wasn't the stash guy. Pablo played Tonto. Yeah. Who was uh, who was one of the? Because uh, you're thinking of one of the bodyguards of the ambassador, right? Uh, no, he was one of the. He was the army former army ranger. Oh, okay, yeah, he was Tonto or whatever. Because I thought he did a really good job in this movie too. Yeah, he was the one who wore shorts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was wearing like khaki shorts, and and one of the other guys, Boone, I think, yeah, Boone was like, "You're gonna gonna go out there in shorts or whatever." And he's like, eh. <laughs> "He's like, okay." Yeah, it but was. <laughs> that was interesting too. The character of Boone was played by uh, David Denman, who is actually was Roy in the Office. There was two yeah. guys from the Office that were more or less leads in this movie. Obviously, John Krasinski was more of a lead, but David Denman was also one of the main guys too. And and. Uh, they both, I mean, I was like, hey, it's Roy from The Office, too. It kind of caught me, too, but... He's actually unrecognizable in Yeah, this, it, they're pretty... He was pretty unrecognizable because he had a scruffy beard, too, but he did a really good job, too, um, in this movie. Just everybody... Everybody did a pretty good job. I thought the acting was all right. You know, yeah. there wasn't any... There wasn't any standouts, <laughs> but there also wasn't any, like, poor, like, standouts in the negative way, either. And so, yeah, give that to his credit, too, to... Michael Bay's direction, I guess, and getting some good performances out of people. And, and, and part of it is, too, it just makes you wonder if having three of the guys who were in the incident on set the whole time probably just helps you to want to do a respectable job for those guys. Because, well, when you see it played out, you realize that you got to give them respect for being on set, willing to relive that yeah. every day. And then you, as an actor, want to respect their their service. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, so, you know, that, that probably helped too, just having them on the set. But I think with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up this show. Um, remember to, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, YouTube, uh, whatever's your fancy for podcast using service, um, subscribe and go ahead and rate us. That's always good too. want to know that, uh, on those things. But yeah, Facebook also, you can like us on there. We do news updates. Like if you liked us on Facebook, your news feed probably had about David Bowie and Alan Rickman dying and new trailers coming out. Cause we try to keep you updated on there too, with things like that. So yeah, go ahead and, and do that also. And of course that's where we put new episodes when they're up too. So we hope you're taking advantage of those things and getting the word out there about us, telling your friends, telling your enemies, cause maybe it'll make, <laughs> one of your enemies your friend because you'll have us in common so i hope you do that too but i think with that um we'll sign off here so this is steven and this is dakota 